This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, you guys, I have an actress. Some of you guys will say, an actress? You always have the actresses or the movie people. She's up and coming. She's done films. You'll see her IMBD. The description will be in the bottom links, but her name is Mojina, and I just want to say, Mojina, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm great. I'm feeling good today. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. It is a beautiful day with the sun is out. So let, let the people know, how did you start acting in some of the films that they have seen you in or that they may see you in? Um, well, I'll just keep it short, but I started acting um, in high school. I went to go see a play randomly, like it wasn't for an assignment or anything. I just was, at, I was just chilling after school and then I heard there was like a play and I was like, okay, I'll just stay and watch. And I just remember the play was Gypsy um, at my high school, shout out to Olympic Heights in Boca. But I went to go see the play and the curtains went up and this is after the show. Like this is when the actors are not the actors anymore. They're just the students and they're also the actors but they're not the characters anymore. And I just remember feeling that camaraderie that they had and the way that they were bowing and holding hands, I was like, I want to be a part of that. Like, what is that? Like, the curtain just went up and they're not the characters anymore, but they still have that energy. I was like, I would love to do that for the rest of my life. Like, because I've always wanted to create, but I never saw it. I would see movies, but I never really saw live theater growing up. And immediately I signed up for drama class. And then that has a whole long journey from doing that to studying in New York. And then before I moved to New York, I auditioned for a film called The Big Frozen Gumshoe, and it was on a lot of film festivals. It still is in rotation for film festivals. Um, and then after that, it's just I've just hit the ground running, and I've been auditioning and acting in different projects. I'm currently in a movie right now that's currently on pause for production, but um, I have a few scenes left to finish that up. And I'm just so grateful to still do it, because sometimes I think back at you know, that little girl that saw that show for the first time. And since then, I've wanted to entertain because there's a joy that comes from that. Like you're in a theater, you're acting, and then you're bringing people together, people from different races and classes, and they're just all there enjoying something together. So for me, it's something that I feel like it unites people. A lot of times it's the hardest part is the start. And in anything in art or entertainment of any form, and you say you're starting at such a young age, did you get support from your family? And what did that start look like for you? Um, at first, not really. Um, I lived with my mom. Um, she was a single mother at the time. And it was just my sister and I. And I remember growing up, I would tell her um, and my dad before they got divorced, I'd be like, oh, I'd love to be a doctor because I'm Caribbean. And like, that was like mostly what was in the family. 
um, being a Haitian woman. So I would see that and I'd be like, oh, I want to do that. And like my aunt was like staying with us for a little bit and she was studying and she would give me her anatomy books. And I was also in anatomy class. And then after I saw that play that same year that I was in the anatomy class, I remember I went home and I just like, you know, told her at the dinner table, like, hey, mom, I want to be an actress. And she was so confused. She was like, wait, what? Because there aren't any artists in our family. Um, I'm the only artist in my family. Um, unless there are some that I don't know of that are in the Caribbean. But at first it took her by surprise, but she was still very supportive because she's all about like, as long as you're happy, that's okay. So she would still, she'd bring me to rehearsals. And then she saw my first performance. And then that turned to her seeing several and seeing the feedback of people that would watch. And then her seeing me on the screen for the first time um, in New York for my final reel at school. And she's very supportive now because she's like, all right, like you're grinding, you're doing your thing and it is possible for you to succeed. Um, and that's the thing about Caribbean parents, like they just want you to succeed. So I just took that, that formula of like what I see in my family with the successful people. I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to apply it to my art. So at first, no, <laughs> there have been a lot of like, oh, you, like it's not going to make money. But then now they see that it's, it makes me happy. So, Yeah. And, and so how did you get over that, um, you know, that first, wait, no one's going to support me and I'm going to, you know, try to make money at this to support myself. Um, it mean, those jitters and, and maybe those jitters are still with you because many entrepreneurs of all forms have that, like, how am I going to make this work? I think that you can't see something for yourself or think it's possible unless you see it. So if I did not have people that I looked up to or certain, like certain artists, either they're actors or singers and rappers, if I didn't see people that look like me doing it and hearing their stories and finding out their stories, I wouldn't think that it'd be possible for me. Cause mind you, I come from a small town in Florida. I was born in Haiti, but I grew up in Florida at the age of five going on. And Again, I'm only artist in my family. Um, sometimes we would do like skits at church and stuff like that. But other than that, like I'm the only artist in my family. So that at times, you know, being at like family events or holiday events, they'd be like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing in school? And I'd be like, oh, I'm studying theater or oh, I'm studying multimedia. Like currently I'm studying multimedia. So looking up to people like I remember when like the odd future wave was going on, that kept me like really inspired in high school, seeing like Tyler, the creator, Frank Ocean, Earl Sweatshirt, like all those people in LA, like really doing their thing and owning their own label, but putting in the work, like knowing that they had a nine to five, but they put in the work till th when they didn't. And artists like till this day, like I, I still look to that to inspire me, like Tierra Whack, like she's a rapper and she had like a nine to five up until like now she's on Black is King with Beyonce. So I think that I, I had to make that like I had to just come to terms with the fact that I would I will have a day job for a little while but that's okay because um my day job I make sure that it that also makes me happy because I work I work with kids um with preschool and I do art with them so I make sure that that artist in me is fulfilled and I just I just have to understand that I have to keep doing that until I don't have to do that anymore so and that's the, the push. And, and what I wanted to, I was trying to describe for the people is there is when you're trying to, you know, be your best, it takes a certain type of ego to say, I'm going to be the best at this. But it takes, I think, even like greater um, confidence in yourself 
to say, I don't necessarily have the support of the loved ones, which that's a very common thing for most people who succeeded. If you told them your vision, it's like Joseph in the Bible, they'd probably laugh at you and say, hey, this is never going to happen. And, you know, you need to stick with reality but oh, yeah. where you live. So are there any processes that you go through, whether they be daily, weekly, whatever, to like keep yourself pushing to be in that good vibe and space? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, one of the things that I do is I, I like to keep my peace and I like to be very private, um, especially with things that I share with people about like what I'm working on or what I'm doing. I already know from years of doing this, like a decade, this year made it a decade, um, that there are certain people that I even know personally that don't support it or don't see it happening for me or those that 100% do. So I share with those people but also my day-to-day, -day, like, just to keep myself positive and uplifted is I pray and I meditate and I, like, every day that I get to practice my craft or if it's not acting, painting, um, writing, I do that daily so that I am fulfilled and I feel like I'm living in a purpose and I am centered. So I, I am very protective of my energy and myself, and I also like to get that energy back in by sharing with people that want me to succeed and also praying and meditating. So got to keep myself aligned. That always helps. And you have a YouTube that, you know, you're going to show more love to, and you have a podcast that we talked about the monetization right before. Yeah, film. Just launched this week. Like we launched on Tuesday. And what is it about your podcast? So the podcast is with my really good friend, um, shout out to her, Nella, and she and I, we grew up together, so I know her, I've known her for a long time, she's also an artist, she's a photographer, um, and then it was in high school, like, she and I really connected, because we're, like, the rare ones <laughs> out here, so we hung out a lot, like, around June, especially with, like, Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd situation, she and I were, were panelists for an event um, called Silence is Violence. Um, and we were really close at the time, but besides like talking about the serious things and how to progress in the black community, which is usually what our conversations are about, we just became really cool. And like, we would joke and she's so funny and I make her laugh a lot. So sometimes we have like this running on joke where we say like, oh, one thing about this person, they go, or one thing about like, that's our like catchphrase. One thing about this, it's like that. So that's the name of our podcast. It's called the One Thing About Podcast, but it's like a play on words because we don't just talk about one thing about that topic. So every week we will have a topic and it will be one thing about that. So on Tuesday, our episode is one thing about Mojina and Nella. And we just had an hour to just talk and have the audience get to know us, which we got really good feedback on that. And yesterday at 12, since it's our first week, we decided to launch two episodes so yesterday's episode was about entanglements and relationships. It was just about like, <laughs> like what is an entanglement? Have we ever been in one? But like, really, what is it? Like beyond the Will and Jada thing. And then we, it just kind of became a therapy session too. Like we were just being real and like feeding each other. Cause that's what we do as black sisters is we uplift each other and we talk and we just, we want to inspire others to like in the black community, especially to just talk and talk to each other and where are you? Like, are you okay today? How do you feel? Like, it's going to be okay. You're great. So we like to do that in our podcasts, uplift our audience. And, our, and then we'll be back to um, 
uploading every Monday. We have a schedule now. So we recorded this week and our Monday episode is going to be about Chadwick Boseman. So it's going to be one thing about Chadwick Boseman. And we had to dedicate that because coincidentally, um, our first episode, which was recorded two weeks ago, we actually shouted out Black Panther. Like, because that's just what you do in the Black community is you shout out things that inspire you, you know? And so we just felt like we had to, like, we couldn't talk about anything else. So our episode is going to be about Chadwick Boseman and how he inspired us and how he's no longer with us and we will miss him dearly. Um, may he rest in peace, of course. Um, so basically that's our platform to just talk and inspire and we will ask for feedback from our audience. Like, what do they want to talk about? And then if we have a topic, what was their experience with that topic? And we'll go from there. So it's, it's just our new platform to talk. And I've always wanted a platform like that, either a radio show or a podcast. So I'm very proud of that. And so with that, and, and I see that that's going to be a, you know, scheduled out, are you going to maybe add some of that to your YouTube? Because I see on your videos on YouTube, you say, I haven't done a YouTube in a while. And I know I represent YouTubers. So I know it, it's a real job if you are constantly putting up stuff. But I, I could see some, you know, cross promotion at least with yeah. that. Because it seems like as a entertainer, you have to create your platform while trying to get on other platforms. And, you know, at somewhere down the line, you say, hey, I've made it and I can, you know, afford to live the life that I want to live. Uh, have you considered doing any, any of that? I have. We have been talking about um, recording it visually, like having a camera set up to where the audience can see us while we're recording because we have a really cool setup where it's like an in-house cute radio studio that's what it looks like um so we can set it up visually to have it on a youtube platform for sure i will definitely have it on my youtube because on my youtube i just wanted to have like behind the scenes content um but it's very rare that i'm allowed to record while i'm on set so i've been thinking about like okay what am i going to upload on here <laughs> so instead of having a new youtube for the podcast that's actually a really good idea i haven't thought about that but that's a good idea i'll do that Okay, we just don't like to get the game. We like to give it to uh, I, my consultant hat. My PR hat never turns off. So I'm like a walking billboard. And this is the perfect time to share it with the people because somebody else may hear that and say, oh, I didn't even think I could do the same thing. Yeah. With, with your, you know, acting, let me act, ask, what type of actress or creator do you see yourself? There are some people who they just come on set they want to do that, put in their time, they want to go home. Then there's others who want to learn how to direct and produce and, you know, do everything. Which one are you? I'm more of the, like, not to compare myself to these people, but I'm more of the, like, like the Daniel Day-Lewis's or the Viola Davis's or the Chadwick Bozeman's or the Lupita's or the Michael B. Jordan's because I've learned about how they approach the work. And I noticed that subconsciously, that's how like my roles have been in the past. I've only been in four movies um, that are independent. One's in post-production right now. But I noticed that every role that I've had, it was something that like, it drew me to it. And I didn't just do it just to do it or just because it was going to get me hype or get me attention. It was because I truly believed in that character and thought that, oh, wow, I would love to create a world with that. Um, so like currently I'm playing a nurse and like the only reason that drew me to that is I get to live in that world for a bit, create around that world. So I see myself as that actress that's just all in 
And usually how I approach the work, it's the same. Like I just live in that world as I'm in it just because I just love that about theater too. Like you're living in a world. So that, and I'm currently studying to be a multi, I'm a multimedia major. So I eventually would love to direct. Um, not right now though, cause I can't think of anything, but eventually, and right now, currently I've, since August of 2019, I've been um, working as a writer freelance for a company called Eminence Elite. Shout out to them. Um, and I, I'm a senior writer on the team. And before COVID, uh, I actually, we were actually producing a web series that I wrote two episodes for, which I never, I've always wanted to write. And I learned how to write for film and TV in school at the New York Conservatory. Um, so I would love to write and direct eventually, but right now I've, I'm really focused on acting. Yeah. Okay, no, that's, that's awesome. I've done a film as well that um, is on, it's called Road to Cameroon and it's on Amazon and YouTube and wherever else. And I like the creation. I would never consider myself an actor. It's more documentary style, but I know how the process is. Have you ever done any of the conferences? Like, you know, we're here in Florida and in Miami, you have every year, and it's a great conference, folks. If you've never been, you gotta go, but it's um, the NATPE. And have you ever done any big conferences like that yet? Um, I've, I've done one conference. Since I've been back though, um, from New York, I've been really focused on like my day job and um, finding work like creatively. Mm -hmm. been in that mode when those conferences are around I'm usually filming um or in a play but I haven't been to one in Florida but in 2016 I went to the Southeastern Theater Conference and that was a chance for me to work and study with different people that are in the theater industry and produce and present monologues to certain people so I've done something like that for theater but not yet for film. Can you talk about what conferences do for you? The audience constantly can hear me say, conferences make the difference. You'll meet people that you will never meet anywhere else, especially just being at home, you know. Um, what do conference, what did that conference do for you that maybe made you stand out amongst others who have never been? Um, well, before I went to the conference, because I like to bring my A game before I even show up, I like to just show up as my best self. So I knew I was going to this conference in March. So starting in January, I started to study and work through a monologue. Um, and I was just preparing for something, like they say athletes in a marathon, like they prepare for years for something that's only gonna last for like 10 minutes or five minutes even. So I knew that I was, I was gonna have a chance to present my monologue and people that were important were gonna be watching me. I was doing this monologue for college. Like I was doing it to figure out where I wanted to study next. Um, would it be New York? Would it be London? Would it be California, Atlanta? So I prepared with a well-known theater director out here in, in um, Florida for two months. And then I went to North Carolina to the Southeastern Theater Conference. And I had one day to just present my monologue and people were watching and I got 16 callbacks from different schools around the world um, and different theater companies around the world. And I think if I didn't prepare for that long, it would have probably just been two callbacks. Um, so that was an accomplishment for me. So for me, the conference and that, because my intention and my, um, my intention was to 
get accepted to a, a really good school in a really good area. So I prepared for that. Now, if someone's intentions or their goal to go to a conference is to get signed to an agent, they need to prepare like that. Cause there are, there are conferences for that. Or if they would like to just meet someone in the industry and have a conversation with them, then they need to prepare for that too. Um, so it just depends on the goal, but there are opportunities there that you wouldn't even expect. Like I just, I just thought I was just going to go and present my monologues. I didn't even think I would be looked at by so many different schools or considered. I'm so glad you said that because that again, and I'm, a, I'm pushing the NATPE like I'm getting a paycheck. There are so many actors and, you know, I talk to even football players and I'm like, bro, you're at the wrong conference. If this is your goal, your goal is something totally different. This is for buyers and sellers. Mm. It's not necessarily for actors unless you want to learn how the behind the scenes works. And most talent in my two decades of doing this, yeah, I started at two people. Um, it did not, you know, it, most people, they don't have the education of finding out the steps, how to get. They think it's just kind of, oh, someone's just going to discover me. And it's really you discover the industry and you just get in where you fit in and things just work out. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Now, being Caribbean, Haitian, if I um, am correct, correct? Yes. You, you know, Haitian, uh, you know, a fan of the pickles, not the one in front of the, you know, the one in the back of the refrigerator uh, that's had a little time to do its thing. Bizarre. <laughs> Is there a Haitian film market? And before you answer that, I say that because I'm the biggest collector of Nigerian films. Mm. I don't sell films in America, but I have a vast collection of Nigerian films. And I mean, I've been collecting for, again, more than one decade. Are there Haitian films out there? And what is the state of Haitian film? And do you see maybe a lane where you can say, oh, I can get in there because it's not saturated? I love this question. Wow. I really like that question because I really feel very passionate about that. And Haitian films, besides watching The Little Rascals in Haiti as a kid, that's what really wanted me to, made me want to act in The Lion King. Um, but one of the, set, the third thing that inspired me to want to be a creative is watching uh, Haitian comedian films. Like, if you're Haitian, you know Jesse Fla. And, my, and Jesse Fla had a lot of live theater recorded shows so I watched that growing up. Like I memorized it to a T. Like two years ago, I actually went back and watched all the films. So there's that. But a lot of the Haitian films are like comedic driven, like they're, com like they're comedy and they're really funny. Their comedic timing is on point. And I think that's where I get my comedic timing from. Um, so I ignored or didn't really hear much about the Haitian film industry in high school or even in college. And I just wish that there was that. And recently, like a year ago, I was randomly searching up like Haitian film production um, companies. But the ones that are most prominent are in Haiti. And I was like, I don't know if it's like really that safe or how would I be able to like work out there without really knowing anybody. And so like coincidentally, three months ago, my friend hits me up. He's an actor and we look out for each other um, out here. And he tells me about this audition and it's actually for a Haitian film. Uh, and so the market is now transitioning into something 
something new. It's still very new in Florida. I, I don't know many Haitian production studios. Maybe there are more that I need to research on, but that are in film festival rotations, no. That are in small theaters, no. I don't, I don't see the representation there. Um, I would love to, and I don't really see that. Um, and I, that's why I'm so proud of this film that I'm working in right now. I actually got casted in it. And I, it's such a good story. And it is going to set the tone and begin something new in the Haitian film industry. I can't talk much about it because of the NDA, but um, my answer is growing up, I saw a lot of it. And then in my like teen adolescence, it just didn't really exist. A lot of Haitian adults in my family watch a lot of African films and there are, they're all kind of the same customs in a way. But again, I didn't see that represented until now I'm a part of something that will start that. So I feel good to be a part of the movement, so. That's awesome. And, and, and it's, uh, you know, Nigeria has really set the mark. I mean, they make more films than anybody um, in a year. Uh, and people used to always talk about the quality, but you have to start somewhere. And mm -hmm. now everybody can start and, you know, be laughing to the bank because the money has just increased. And, and, and that's a big thing where in acting and creating films, you know, you're not making a film, at least as a creator of a film for today's money, you're making it for next year's money or the following year when your royalty check comes through and you're like, oh, wow. You know, if it was even about the money, because most artists will be woken up by, I got to get this out of my brain. I got to put this into the world before I die yeah. Um, <laughs> I agree. And, and you have passion in your um, in your acting. I saw one reel that it's. I'm gonna probably play it in the beginning if I can uh, rip it properly. But it's talking about the men and what they want. And you're talking to you know some some guys. And I said, I love honesty. I don't live in a box. Um, even when I die, as many 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 moons. You know, I'm talking about fifty. 80 years from now, you know, maybe more. When I die, I don't even want to be put in a box, put my ashes somewhere because I'm so out the box thinking. Mm. But, you know, that type of acting that you're doing, I could assume even the way you were talking, because it was kind of vulgar, folks, um, that you have family members or friends who say, maybe church members who say, oh, you can't talk like that. How? Yeah that how do you get over what people expect of you and who you really are? You know, I have to give credit to, to, to my, to just my, my parents. Um, my mom is, is, is very confident. And so is my dad. Um, he's so loud and funny and, and very, very confident. Like he's more, he's the most confident person that I know. And I just remember as a kid, like, I grew up, like, being a tomboy, and I would climb trees and race with my male cousins. Like, I was not with, like, and if I did play with dolls, I would recreate, like, rename them, like, cut out things and, like, just make my own work. Like, I was just very out the box. And I just remember, you know, as a kid, you know, in church groups being told, like, oh, you're laughing way too loud. Like, oh, can you just, like, not sit like that? Or, like, can you just, you know, you're laughing too loud. Ladies don't laugh that loud, please. Um, and, and, and then I had one woman growing up, like, she would tell me, like, I would love to see where you are in 10 years because I, I, you're just showing me that you're, you're just not going to fit in or you're not going to succeed. So I give credit to 
my my parents and my sister and like the kind of home that I was raised in to just be myself no matter what and to love myself no matter what what um so I just got over it by like I think as a kid I just knew that there would be people that that wouldn't like to see me succeed or just I just knew that I was just different you know that I didn't have to fit in and that's okay um and that's why I noticed that like that that's a beautiful thing is for people to be different and to embrace their individuality. Um, No person is alike. And if you are that out of the box person, you should just embrace it and run with it. So that monologue was very confident and out of the box and vulgar, but she, that character, I I wanted to play her. I had a choice between two and I I picked her because she was saying some things to this man in a bar that like you wouldn't expect a woman to say in a bar and she's confident and grounded. And at the time I was, that was before how to get away with murder was um, out, but I was watching how to get away with murder and Viola Davis is such an inspiration to me. And she's very like grounded and out of the box and so different. And even her voice, like it's deeper and being like, you know, being a kid and being told like, Oh, your voice is so deep for a girl or like, you know, you're so different. But I just embraced it because I, again, had that confidence at home to that helped me get through it, you know? No, that's, that's awesome. Um, awesome to hear uh, because there are so many people who are out of the box and they have to live in this lane and you'll hear, and I'm sure you've heard this before, oh, I wish I could be like you. And it's like, you could be, you just got to stop caring what others that don't matter think of what you're doing in your life. Yeah, exactly. Being out of the box, though, um, and and I'm almost like I could guess, like, if I looked at your personality test, that it starts with an E. Yeah, you know, I I could probably guess it. Um, (laughs) How do you deal with being a young woman? being a beautiful woman, smart woman, out of the box. And now we have, you know, Hollywood finally exposing the um, the sexism in the industry. Because, I mean, Hollywood was, you do whatever the director says. And I always tell people, it's not just the women who are doing, you know, tricks and entanglements with random people who are out of shape and didn't look like anybody you'd want to entangle with, but it's a power trip. I mean, Harvey Weinstein, and he's not the only, but it's not just the men. It's that Hollywood is full of just, you know, people who are free thinking and they jump in one van to jump in another. And you never know what went down in the van or what went down behind the green door. Um, you, You don't know. How do you deal with that? Because being new, it's like you're vulnerable. And many women are like, I'd love to get into Hollywood, but I don't want to sleep my way up to the top. Or I don't want to have to play a role that, you know, you know, maybe it's kissing another woman or maybe it's killing even somebody. You know, some women don't have a problem with that because we see lifetime. But how do you deal with those issues? Because men don't really think about those things. Um, I just have to really thank my friend group because my two best friends and we talk every day we have a group chat on instagram and we have a group chat and i message we talk every single day and we're all three trying to break into the industry as well and um we 
keep each other grounded and we actually don't just talk about like where we are and like how we're feeling that day we do we have mental health check-ins and we talk about politics everything but we always talk about the industry we always send each other articles about this actor actually came out and said that you know this person abused them while on set and wow we had no idea because we actually loved that movie and thought they had a good connection so we keep each other grounded and i truly um, believe and hope that we stick together through this because I think that's what you need. You just need somebody in your in your corner that reminds you of what's important and that, you know, success isn't overnight. It's not. Um, and the way that I'm going about wanting to succeed and create my own work and, and act in things that I care about, I know that that's going to take longer than, you know, dating that person that did this movie that's going to take because i could have done that um i had the choice to do that but i'd much rather you know go about it my own way in a way that i know that i'll be proud of and some people are proud of that path but i know that what would help me sleep at night or would make me happy is choosing my own way and and having people on my team that remind me of what's important and that self-love and you know peace is way more important than a check or status because if you i think if going about it the genuine way that stuff will come can you give some tips because you said you could have went that way of maybe signs for women to kind of say you know maybe they hear something that doesn't sound right that you've heard and you're like nope instead of answering it like this being rude possibly being blackballed or kicked off stage i did this because a lot, you know, in our trainings, a lot of, we find a lot of women don't know how to like deflect and just kind of pivot to, you know, go a different direction. So we're, we teach it and we're paid to teach it. But can you talk about some things that have helped you? Um, what has helped me is not worried about, like not worrying about being liked, like not worrying about like, oh, if I say something, this man in this room is going to like shift and I don't care. Like, um, for me, I always speak up for women and black women, especially. Um, and I've always just, I, I keep a lot of women around me. A lot of my best friends are women. I have a lot of guy friends as well, but I really protect and value women especially where we are right now and all the hate crimes that are that are happening against women so for me if i'm in a position where someone says something that i that is sexist or can make me feel belittled i always speak up so what i would say to those women is don't be afraid to speak up don't be afraid to turn down a role if you feel like that person is not going to respect you and they probably just see you as like an object because that work that you want to do it will come and what thing, one thing I learned in school is if you don't see something that you see yourself in, like if you want to play a role and it's not there for you or, you know, you don't feel like you're getting all the opportunities, write your own work, you know? So because screw that person that's making you feel belittled or that you don't feel like you matter. Don't feel like you have to take that job at the expense of your peace and your confidence because you're going to come out of it traumatized or uncomfortable. And that's not what that's not what we want. Like I advocate for self-care and peace. So for me, it's about speaking up and not caring about if that person's going to like you at the end of the day, because if they get uncomfortable with you speaking out, then that means that there's something wrong with them and not you. Now, when going on this journey, I'm sure you heard 
my wife is from West Africa. And I'm in the African community, I always tell people black folk are black folk all around the world. It, it doesn't matter where you're at. You know, I don't travel to over 16 countries. I didn't seen black folk. I don't understand what they're saying, but I know what they're saying. Right. And then I learned, okay, I knew that the, she was, that grandmother was saying, you know, let me take my hat off inside or whatever. Right. Um, wh what is the, did anyone tell you, you need to have a backup plan while you're getting into this. You, you need to get into nursing, you know, so then if this acting doesn't work or while you're trying to get your role, you can be a nurse working three times a, a week and then act. T tell me about them stories and journey. I have to laugh because it happened to me like that same year after I saw the play, I was feeling so confident. And my history teacher, if you went to my high school, you know who I'm talking about. Um, he was an actor. And he, like, after we were done with our work, he would always show us his, like, old commercials. One time he brought out his headshots. And I'm thinking, like, oh, this guy is like, oh, he did that? Okay. So I'm feeling confident. I go to his class. I'm like, hey, mister, you know. And I'm like, hey, um, I'm thinking about being an actress. Like, I would love to do it. Like, I just think it's for me. And I feel like I found my calling. And he should have told me, don't do it you need a backup plan because there's no way you're going to succeed in this. And I just remember looking at him like, oh, all right. Um, and at first I just felt so like, so hurt. And I was like, dang, I thought he would have my back in this and give me some advice, but he didn't. He didn't give me any advice. He was just like, don't do it. And I realized that because he failed at it, he told me not to do it. Um, so a lot of the times when people give you that, that thing or they they try to shut you down it's because there's something in their life that didn't it didn't fall through um and if this fails for me i promise not to do that to that little kid or that teenager i promise not to because if i wasn't me i would have just said all right back to anatomy class but you know i just kept it pushing and i made really good friends in that in that community in the acting community and that's what matters is having that community but he, that was the first person I told, even before my mom. And he was like, don't do it. You're going to fail. <laughs> and I laugh at it now because I'm like, oh, dang. Like, he snapped, you know? He yeah. <laughs> and you said, you said some key points that, you know, I, I constantly preach that you can't fail if you create your own. Because in every step, you'll learn, okay, I've learned how to create it. Now I've learned how to monetize it. Now I've learned how to market it. The problem with most people, and I'll say especially black people in America, but it's a global issue, is you don't find a team amongst the way. and You want to do every job, and you can't do every job. You can do many a job, and sometimes you have to do all the jobs. But if you start making money, you whatever money is to you, because, you know, what y'all call money with the phone, we don't call money over here, you know, Jay-Z reference. But when you start getting the money, before you buy the chain, get yourself a manager, get yourself an assistant, get yourself, you know, before you buy the $5,000 bag, ladies, go get yourself some help because to have $5,000 bag and have $5 in it and no team, you can't succeed without a purpose, without a plan, and without a team. Wow. You just can't. So, we, yeah. So, you know, you've had some success and you're, you know, four films. You say only because you know what's to come, but that is nothing to sneeze at. 
with the success that you're having and that you're gonna have in the future, what is a community give back that you are doing right now or that you wanna do in the future? Um, right now, my community give back is my podcast um, because I, I, we always try to uplift our community um, and that's what I could do right now. But what I would like to do in the future is help Haiti. Um, I would love to open art schools in Haiti, especially, or art galleries um, where children also can learn art because there wasn't a lot of that growing up. I went to school in Haiti. I went to pre-K and kindergarten, and I don't remember like really feeling like I was fulfilled in that aspect. And I think there are a lot of um, Haitian artists that are brilliant. Every time I go to DR to do mission work, um, I'm very passionate about mission work and helping those that um, need it. I, we would always go to the Capitol on the last day and there's like an art walk with paintings and we would go with our church. So the priest would tell me like every single painting you see here, like they're all Haitian artists. And I just, I have a few of them here at home and the talent in the Haitian community is there. It's just, we need more people to nurture it. So I would love to do more for Haiti. And that is one of my plans is to actually open some art schools in Haiti. Now, now you, you mentioned Haiti and then you mentioned the DR. We know, you know, it's, it's, it's one island. Yeah. And I can't wait for things to open up because by now being two months in Florida, I thought I'd be at least in half the islands that I had never been that I've been able to see from other islands and be like, hey, we can't wait till we go over there, right? Yeah. But, you know, but because I, I, I love Jamaica and I love San Martin, but I want to see everything. Mm -hmm. um, I know my Haitian brothers aren't always treated well in the DR. So when you say, you know, I want to help Haiti, but then I'm when I'm in DR, is it, I mean, how separate are things when you're there and mm -hmm. Could things ever connect and combine where you can get like a powerhouse where these countries are working together, people yeah. are being treated fair? What's your opinion? Because you've been there and you're from there, you know. It's funny because I started going at the age of 13. Um, I'm 25 now. So at 13, I've been there five times for mission work. And getting out there, we have to raise some funds to actually go out there and um, stay at a hotel. But once we get there, we stay for five days. Um, and I went like three times in high school, once in college, once at 13. And the first two times that I went there, we actually, when we go there, we help the Haitians that are there by, there's actually, it's a story that not many people know, but there are Bates there in Haiti. And Bates are where Haitians live that migrated from Haiti to the DR to work, to find better life, to, to find better work. Um, and it was around the time where a lot of Haitians in that era of Haiti, we're making the decision to come to Florida or America or go to DR because there were opportunities there. But they worked in the sugarcane fields. And then since then, the it just dried up that industry. So there are a lot of Haitians that are living there, thousands that are poor and hungry, and a lot of their kids don't have education. So we go there to help. And I actually see the progress from when I was 13 to now. Um, I actually went last year, and it's just so beautiful. And um, so when I was there, the first two times that I went, I didn't know that there was tension between the Haitian government and the, and the Dominican government and the Haitian people that live there. But I think that the way that we can help or get over that is 
like coming together and realizing we're, we're all on the same island. Like my best friend is Dominican and she's an actress. So I think one day, like when both of our communities see like, you know, a Haitian and a Dominican best friends and they're like, they're so alike. She's my most alike friend that I have. But I think that once people realize that we're all the same, but it's like, I think it just, the government just has to give, give into that, just give into that and realizing that we are all the same. It, like we're on the same island at this point. Like if you're thinking Haitian and DR, like Haiti and DR, they're on the same island. Um, they just speak different languages. Some of them look exactly alike. There's no difference really. So, and that just comes with a lot of the things that are going on in the world right now. Like when you think about police brutality or um, slavery that's still happening in, in certain parts of Africa and China, you just think like, okay, I wish that people that were in power or those that have that little bit of power, like police, that they just realize that we're all just the same, you know? And I think eventually I hope that we can get to that point. But right now it's about like, you know, when we go out there, like we're very careful and, you know, sadly we have to be, but um, it's a beautiful island. I love it. I love the DR. And yeah, like you said, like I would love to travel more too. Um, I've been to different parts of the Caribbean, but I would love, like, my goal is to just visit every island in the Caribbean, because you do find, like, wow, this person's from the Bahamas, but they're exactly like my aunt. Like, we're so much more alike than we think, you know? And you can find that, I mean, I tell people, if you really think, I mean, color culture is one thing, but you could be in Belgium and find somebody, maybe they look like you, maybe they don't, but you can connect on, you know, it's really about finding your tribe, yeah authors like seth godwin have written books on it he's written 200 books on it and it's just something where you know find your tribe because i'm i'm weird i'm i'm a weirdo i'm a unique person to folks who don't think like me and mm -hmm. when i get around my tribe it's like oh we all blend in we all get it nobody's offended because if you're easily offended you can't be around me um, <laughs> After, after six, when we get into what we get into, uh, you know, we say what we want to say. And we never mean to offend, but we mean what we say because that's our opinion. So th that, that's beautiful. And I I'm, I'm, don't want to give the people a game overload, but I do want you to tell them for this project that you can't talk about, where can they find you so when you can talk about it, they can go... Boom! There it is. Um, on my Instagram. That's where it is. My Instagram, um, at Mojean Italian. Instagram. Are there any other social media? Snapchat, second Instagram page? Mojina underscore Italian. So it's M-O-J-E-N-A underscore T-A-L-I-E-N. My Twitter, I'm always on Twitter. I'm usually live tweeting the, um, the bubble games because I'm really into the NBA. So I'm always just live tweeting that, but I usually like talk about the projects that I'm in every now and then too. Um, that one is Mojo Veli, inspired by Tupac, <laughs> but it's um, M O J O V E L I I, and that's it for me. And um, on Facebook, it's Mojin Italian. And I'll definitely have your YouTube and and all that in the description, so you guys can go check it out if you're listening. You can go see what she looks like. You can say, hey, yeah, encouraging words only. Yeah, there it is. That's my, that's where you can find me.
All right. Well, you guys, be blessed by the game. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.